Remember I said to you I wanted to record another conversation with you. Oh, I didn't know this today. No, well it's just I'm doing it in the car. Because that's where the fancy conversation was. <laughs> well, I think you're in your podcast of, mode. No, no, I'm not. One of my favorite things to do with you, which might sound odd, <laughs> is to drive to school. Yeah, mine too. Because I think we have sort of the best conversations when we're driving to school. listening to Clearly Unfiltered, a regular podcast in which I share unsolicited views and insights, mainly to stay sane, to be honest, and make sense of my own existence. I strive to be authentic and vulnerable and speak about things that matter to me, and I'm amped you're here. Thanks for listening. This episode is the first installment of a three-part offering I'm calling Neurotypical Bias. You see, as I've reckoned with my own neurodivergence and have had to adjust my approach to parenting since learning of my youngest daughter's autism, I have grown increasingly aware of how much society is geared towards and set up for the ease of neurotypical folk, and as a result, how much judgment exists for people who show up differently in the world. In part one, I speak with Emily in the car on the way to school. I love the opportunities I have with her on these short trips to wonder about the world together, solve the problems of the universe, and laugh about the silliest things. Welcome to our world. Okay. So, Amy, now I'm doing a podcast on, on neurodiversity and what parents of neurodiverse children want the world to know about their kids. And the focus in the podcast is celebrating the, the, the positives, the wonderful things that come along with neurodiversity. How do you feel about me recording an episode like this? It's cool. It's, it, I'm happy about it. But also nervous. I don't know why. But it's, it's nice. I like it. Cool. <laughs> but now, I wanted to hear from you. Just, you know, if you were able to explain to neurotypical people or you had to if there was something that you really wanted neurotypical people to know what would um, what would that be about maybe about some of the challenges you face or what it's like to live in your world what do you think people should know well, there's a sorry, there's a lot, but yeah. the one of the things is well for me personally is that I take a lot of extra explaining for stuff yeah. as you found out yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Um, and some of the neurotypical people don't really get that and get very irritated with me easily when I ask too many questions about stuff, and I feel like they should just be more understanding about like that I need more explaining because yeah. I like to like almost like know something in depth yeah yeah 
So there's a lot, but it would take like forever for me to tell yeah. every one of them. Well, maybe one or two other things. What are what are some other things that you wish? Well, you wish neurotypical people maybe had more understanding or or held more space for you. Being socially awkward, definitely. Like, if I'm in a big crowd and, like, one of my friends or just at school and there's a big event, yeah. they should understand that I want to go somewhere else, like, quiet and without them and just walk around the school mm. and then I'll be fine. But I think some people see that as weird. Yeah. I don't know, but it's just, it's been on my mind. So. Do you think some people perceive you as rude when you do that? Because yeah. you just want to be on your own. Yeah, like... Even when we're when I'm when we're at well, sorry. Even when I'm at home, like if I want to eat supper yeah. alone, yeah. I feel like you guys perceive me perceive me, right? Yeah. As rude. So now, I think one of the big challenges in this whole process was that you were only diagnosed like when you were uh, ten. No. 11, 11 turning 12 yeah so for 11 years you lived in a neurotypical world without really knowing and understanding who you were or being able to fully express who you were what has it been like to take that mask off now that you've almost been given permission to to fully live into who you are or are there times where you still feel you need to mask so there are definitely times where I do feel like I need to mask but it's it's gotten less because I'm I've gotten proud of myself almost like I've spent my whole life being so depressed and masking that I haven't had really had any time to be self-conscious of who I am so it's just a natural kick in like if someone says something rude about me or my mental state I I don't I really don't care and um, it's felt really nice to just be myself most of the time but sometimes I feel like I have to mask like if I meet someone new like I did this with my friends like when I first met them like I would mask and then I would slowly unmask with them because you know there's always the thought in the back of my mind like will they like me for who I am or should I just be my mask self and then after a while I've just realized you know what if they don't like you for who they are then they're not a good friend and that mask you put on is that is that you try to be as neurotypical as possible or? yeah because this might sound weird but I've I have like I don't know if you know but um in Japan in their festivals they have those you know cat masks type yeah. things yeah I always imagined my mask like that and I put it on and then I'm like a totally different person yeah like it's almost like a different personality but it's neurotypical if that makes sense yeah but that sounds that sounds unfair that you that you feel pressure to to have to fit in rather than people accepting you accepting you for your does it feel unfair it does when I do mask it feels like like I almost have to like pretend to be something I'm not and I don't think anyone should feel like that and there are a lot of people out there that do mask more than I have like for their whole lives and I can see it and it just makes me like hurt because I know how it feels to constantly mask 
and it's just really unfair that like almost society has put on the pressure for you to be perfect and not neurodiverse and mm. not socially awkward or having panic attacks or anything yeah. and it's just really not fair. What has been really helpful for you in unpacking like who you are and finding the courage to like fully be yourself and to embrace your autism? Definitely my therapist, but also you guys. You guys have been like there, like my backbone of everything. And like I'm really thankful for you guys because <laughs> yeah, you're gonna make me cry. <laughs> you guys have like been there for like like almost two years now, right? And it's like really cool for me to see like people who are supportive of me and just who I am because I don't think most parents are like that. I'm not trying to like. Like make an assumption, yeah. but I've seen that parents don't necessarily like have time for their kids, and you guys have like like dropped everything when I needed to talk to you, and that's that's really cool. But it also hasn't always been easy with us this whole process, has it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, been, you and I in particular, sometimes we have a bit of a downfall. We bump heads. Yeah. So it hasn't been easy, but I've never like almost taken for granted what you've done for me so I've always felt like insanely guilty after we've like had a fight <laughs> or something like that because I'm like you guys do so much for me how am I supposed to be fighting with you yeah. like but it hasn't been easy but we've slowly gotten there so that's yeah. really nice it's been a process hasn't it of, of of working out what works best for you and for us and having to maybe adjust the way we have typically parented so that it's more supportive of you and your journey mm. which I think has been a journey for me and mom as well yeah so Em mm? thank you for this no I want to do I want to do feature your voice because I speak a little bit about you in the podcast interview I have with this friend of mine from the UK who also has um, a neurodiverse child uh, a young boy who's younger than you and I just felt it was important for people to hear your perspective because mm. it's easy for us adults to assume what kids are thinking and feeling and how they experience the world but I think you have such a wonderful way of articulating your experience and Especially in, in, in our interactions, I think what I've always appreciated if you, is you've really grown in your ability to help us understand what your needs are at a certain point and you're able to express that and tell um, that and that's helped, I think, me and mom understand how to be better parents in this situation. So, thank you for this extended introduction and your thoughts which are always so thoughtful and sort of well articulated <laughs> you know you have this wonderful way of saying things so thank you Em. you're welcome I was happy to help sure man <laughs> are you not going to pause it no I'll pause it join me for part 2 and 3 of this conversation with Nina Griffiths which will release soon thanks for listening to this intro 